This is the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the best tactical and statistical analysis of Liverpool FC. Hello everybody and welcome to this week's episode of Analyzing Anfield, your tactics and analytics podcast, courtesy of the Blood Red channel. I am joined by the usual co-host, David Hughes. How are you doing, mate? I'm very well, thank you, Josh. You Is that too positive? Well... I'm not, so yeah. do you know what I mean? I'm a little bit down, aren't I? Yeah, of course. Uh, I assume this is a a relatively, you know, eagerly awaited podcast, I'm assuming, because... Unless people have decided to uh, give the football a miss for a few days until <laughs> Liverpool start winning yeah, again, but hopefully not. Hopefully we've got loyal loyal listeners and watchers. Yeah, that'd be understandable, to be fair, but Liverpool, surprisingly, you know, alternatives to what we're used to dealing with on this show, I've lost two matches in the space of a week um, and we have to talk about those we have to get to the bottom of maybe what's going on um, and we're going to look ahead to Bournemouth and we've also in the same episode we've got to look ahead to Atletico Madrid because we face them next Wednesday and we will be recording next Thursday I think so mm. a lot to tackle mm. uh, so let's get started and we'll go with the buckle up <laughs> <laughs> we'll go with the the most hateful one of all, I think. Mm. The Wofford game. Um, what do you think? <laughs> yeah. Were you, were you really disappointed to lose the unbeaten... Um, yeah, I was gutted, yeah, I'll be honest. Were you hoping for the Invincibles? Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was gutted. I've seen a lot of people say, like, you know, we're going to win the league, win the league by 22 points or whatever it is, but I really wanted that Invincible yeah. tag, I'll be honest. Because it, well, it, just, it just kind of solidifies you. There's a lot of the... Yeah, I mean, I'm not an Arsenal fan, and I can tell you right now the year that they went unbeaten. Couldn't tell you that who won the FA Cup that year or the the year before or whatever. So Mm. that was a big thing, I I thought. But so it's a shame. But But, having said that, I I do think that since the international break, uh, since the winter break, I think we've we've kind of been hinting towards something's going on here. We've we've said the whole game two halves a few times, haven't we? Mm. And that's been because. Particularly in the first half of matches, Liverpool haven't really turned up, uh, lacking fluidity and things like that. Very disjointed. Yeah, and this was the same, but this time it was maybe, maybe one match too far, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, it felt like on the day there was an accumulation of bad performances. I thought normally yeah, the when, whole squad was terrible. Yeah, if you can have one or two off days, someone because there's that many superstars in Liverpool side, someone normally drags it out out of the mess or comes up with a goal when you need it or. You know, a big block at the other end, and it just felt like nobody particularly played played well. Um, all had a bad day, and it resulted in certainly one of the worst. Bearing in mind, obviously, I've always kind of watched Liverpool to an extent, I guess. You know, but mainly like Sky games and stuff. It's only been within this role I've started really watching them every week, and that's probably the the worst I've seen Liverpool play. I'd say, yeah, as yeah, a, as a collective. I mean, I must say, I, th- I, I, I think we've lost maybe once or twice or something like that since since we've recorded Analyzing Anfield since the start. This has been going on for a year and two weeks or something like that, I think, um, which is testament to the yeah, level. Yeah. But I think this is the first proper deserved loss mm. that we've suffered. Mm. This was a fully deserved defeat. Like, each week on this show, we go through, like, performances as opposed to just the result. Yeah. Um, and a lot of weeks, even if Liverpool struggle or even if Liverpool lose, I'm thinking particularly Barcelona away in the Champions League when we got beat 3-0 somehow. I thought we played really, really well. Yeah, This was a match where we just absolutely deserved to lose. Hmm. Um, but out of interest, would you prefer that? If you're gonna, <laughs> if everyone's going to come to an end, would you prefer a narrow loss or a proper you know, defeat? I, I think... I actually think it's. Um, I'd probably prefer to narrowly get the def- get beat because I know it's quite frustrating. But it's, it it indicates that your performance levels are there. And when's the, when the dust has settled, you can say you know we we still performed well. It just wasn't our day. Whereas it felt like this, which we'll come on to in a bit. But maybe this result um, left a bit of a hangover for the game at Chelsea, um, mm. and now. It's just taking the shine off what's been a, a great season so far, a little bit. I mean, it's all with with context. You, you know, you can you can say that people are getting a little bit carried away, and we're not going to get carried away. It's still a fantastic season, but um, yeah, I think the manner in which they lost was probably the quite a disappointing aspect. 
Yeah, I actually think I'd label it as a collapse, to be honest. Mm. Um, just to capture why Liverpool deserved to lose. Obviously, we lost 3-0 on the day. The expected goals, 2.1 for Watford and 0.3 for Liverpool. Mm. 0.3 is obviously terrible. And that's obviously basically a 2-0 a loss, according to the expected goals. Uh, 71% of the ball Liverpool had. Now, we usually mention possession in reference to dominance because mm. we usually say it alongside how many shots we had yeah. with that position. <coughs> Liverpool had 71% of the ball, but Watford had 14 shots, Liverpool had seven. Yeah. Um, Watford had five on target, Liverpool had one. And I think, to be honest, at the time, I remember thinking this on the day, if we'd have continued playing for another week, we wouldn't have scored. <laughs> yeah. It was just a terrible, terrible day of, of performance, really. We just never looked like finding the net. Mm. And we looked a bit messy whenever they threatened to uh, to break on us. Yeah, yeah. And uh, look, any any data you use has got to be um, used with with context, hasn't it? And you know, normally high possession does equal things like uh, territorial dominance and, and obviously leading to plenty of shots. But um, in this case, you could argue Watford most likely tactically set up to allow Liverpool to have plenty of the ball. Um, and did a good job of just not letting them do much with it in the in the final third. So you could argue that a lot of that possession was probably as a result of, of Watford's tactics. Yeah. Um, but one of the reasons that I wanted to actually state that Liverpool deserved to lose this match, this wasn't a fluke, this wasn't a moment of madness, this was a fully, this was a bad performance all around in attack and defence. Mm. The reason I want to say that is because I think a lot of people will have been inclined to to look at the the um, the coincidence that Lovren had been included mm-hmm. and painted the whole defeat on him. We will get to Lovren. Um he was terrible. I'm not denying that. But this was a full team loss for me. Mm-hmm. This was just the attack did not work. The midfield didn't dominate the pitch as much as it usually does, which probably coincides with you know, Watford can actually match us physically in the centre of the park, which yeah. many teams many teams can't. Yeah, and in defence, we was we was all over the place. So this was a, a proper loss and one that we one that we haven't really had to address before on this yeah. show. Mm. Um, so the game of two halves. Have you seen the expected goals timeline? I have. Yeah, I it's virtually there's not much in it up until half time. Yeah, which I, is what we've seen, and that spikes massively, doesn't it? For for Watford, yeah, um, spikes. Yeah, remember we were we were kind of applauding Liverpool for we we decided that they were choosing to play in that manner. Where you know where they'd they'd have lulls within games or they'd put it in in one half and kind of relax in the other. Mm. Um, do you think they're now they're now actually struggling to put to string together a full ninety minute p- performance? No, I don't think it's that. I think it's. And I've tweeted this a few times since. I think I'm going to write this piece on it today. It's we're not taking the lead, and that sounds so simple. No, no, yeah. But we aren't taking the lead, hmm. and it is an entirely different game when you take the lead in a match. Yeah. If you're chasing a goal and the opposing team doesn't need one, it's just a, a different game completely. And I actually looked at the numbers on this before. Let's have a little look. Um, so Liverpool have played, Liverpool have spent 1,312 minutes in the Premier League this season with a lead, um, compared to 1,043 minutes with the scores level and just 208 minutes losing. Um, and I think, you know, you've mentioned a few times, haven't you, though, how Liverpool could play in a low block if they wanted to. Yeah. I think... We we can cover our defence better, basically, when we don't really need that goal. We can mm. play on the transition a little bit more, which is yeah. what we used to do in Klopp's early years. We was a transition team, um, and you, you've got to do, you can do that less when you need to, to score, and the opposing team don't. Yeah. You become more of a possession based team, more of a Guardiola type side. And although Liverpool have grown in the years in terms of being capable of of still finding the net with those those scenarios. It's still probably the thing we're least comfortable with doing, if you, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. Yeah, uh, and it will always depend on t- the players we have on the pitch as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Lovren didn't particularly help in possession. Naby Keita didn't play. Um, 
I mean, I suppose we're making excuses there because we still had the front three, we still had Trent, Robertson, and Dyke. But yeah, it's it's sometimes these games are really hard, aren't they? To just dissect what happens and try and quantify it all. It's difficult. Um, I will say that Liverpool have now faced what would what, what essentially forms a back six three times really since the winter break. Mm-hmm. Um, Simeone obviously used a four four two, but whenever Trent and Robertson started to advance into like the final third and things mm-hmm. like that, Simeone's wide midfield players would truck back in, and yeah. it'd become a back six that followed the runners. Mm-hmm. Moyes has the same back six and Watford. Similar in terms of when Liverpool get close to your goal, you've got a, a defensive line that covers the entire width of the pitch mm. with no real channels opening up or anything like that. Um, our crossing game's been a lot less effective lately. I was just about to say, see that um, a lot of sides have done maybe not not I wouldn't not always the back six, but they've certainly been as deep as that. And I've always really applauded Liverpool's ability to probe. You know, just maintain patience within the final third, and eventually they wear sides down, and that's what they've just seems to lack a little bit. It does the crossing hasn't been great, and it's been a little bit forced sometimes. And when you're forcing it, it's so easy to kill momentum by putting the ball out for the goal kick, and suddenly you have to restart all over again. And um, it's definitely something that's just lacking these last few weeks. Yeah, I mean, there was there was one change. I think there was one, might have been two actually, but there was yeah, there was two. Ox came in for Keita and Dejan Lovren came in for Joe Gomez, mm. who apparently had a tight hamstring. Um what are your thoughts on Lovren? Generally without the uh, the performance. Yeah, he's no genuinely he's, he's not reliable for me at all. It, it's with him it's a constant cycle of write off, recover, relapse, repeat. It's just the same thing <laughs> all the time. Um He's too chaotic, and I think it impacts the players around him. He doesn't; he just doesn't slot into the Liverpool side as well as others. And um, I just don't think he's good enough for Liverpool. I think he's still performing at maybe a, a top eight sides, but mm. he's a uh, yeah, he's not. I think I've got a I've got a few points to make on him. I think firstly, he's inclined to engage in battles that he might not win, and I don't. Sometimes you don't you just don't need to. You, it's just as simple as that. You don't need to get involved in these battles. Troy Deeney is a very mm-hmm. clever player. Beneath the surface, he's really, really clever. Mm. And he knew he was he knew that Lovren wanted to fight him. I think you, he said that after yeah. the match actually. You don't need to win the ball on the first um duel, do you, or the first exchange against an attack and play. It doesn't need to be won then. Sometimes it's just about patience and slowing them down and just making it difficult for them to bypass you. But I agree, he seems to always want to be like keen to recover it as soon as possible or get in these battles and it's just it's it, it looks a bit um it looks a bit amateur at times the defending yeah and I remember Carragher spoke about um, when he used to face I think it was Drogba hmm. did he Drogba and obviously because he was just such a powerful striker when he was faced with an aerial duel with him rather than actually jumping up with him and battling for that aerial duel he'll instead stay on his feet give Drogba a little nudge and ensure that he's still kind of in control of the situation mm. almost. But as I said, Lovren's inclined to engage in battles that he's got maybe a, a less than 50% chance of winning that mm. battle sort of thing. And he's a bit, he can be a bit easy to read from the perspective of Deeney. Deeney knows what he's going to do. He knows he's going to fight him. He knows yeah. he's going to get tight and, and all that stuff. Um, I think generally he can perform to a good, fine level. For Liverpool, and he's uh, he's relatively suited to Liverpool's game in terms of being quite assertive um, and aggressive without the ball. But I do think that if you're gonna bring him in, don't bring him in when, as we've said recently, we are not the machine that we that we were in early in the campaign. Mm. I think he's brought Lovren in at a time when Liverpool are lacking fluidity and Liverpool are aren't the best. And considering, I can't remember when Lovren's last start was, but it was certainly before Christmas, I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, you, you'd prefer to see Lovren in terms of fixtures. You'd rather see him this weekend against Bournemouth at Anfield, wouldn't you? Yeah, exactly. Against somewhere like Watford, against someone like Deeney. I'm expecting them to... But then what I will say is if it's if it's an injury, Klopp's probably had no choice. But then that probably means they might need to bring in a reinforcement in that position in the, in yeah. the summer. Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of... A lot of people couldn't get their heads around 
Matip was left on the bench. Mm. He opted for Lovren over Matip. A lot of people couldn't understand that one. I think possibly that stems from Lovren being maybe up for a bit more of a fight than Matip is. I think Matip's yeah, but then a, that's bit, a little bit different in that regard. But at the same time, that's it, the thing we're criticising. Yeah, it? exactly. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Mm. So I'll just I suppose there's two ways of looking at that. Yeah. Um, but yet I think as we've said lately, we haven't really been as good as we were before the break. Mm. And I think just, maybe this is a bit much, but I think maybe bringing Lovren in has been the straw that broke the camel's mm. back almost. Yeah. Um, the tipping point almost. Yeah, a little bit of a tipping point. But as I said, we need to reinforce the fact that like Liverpool have not been good anyway. Mm. Um, and this was a team loss. This was a deserved team loss. But whether it would have been 3-0 or not, without Lovren remains to be seen um, obviously Saar Ishmael Saar was fit to play did we say he wasn't going to be fit? I said he wasn't going mm. to be fit and the reason I said well I mean I guess I'm not an injury expert yeah. that's not what I provide an insight into on, on this show but he said <laughs> Pe- Pearson said before the previous fixture that he was not close or nowhere near facing United so I thought if you know we're near facing United a couple of days ago you're not going to start against mm. Liverpool surely yeah but he did I, uh, really good player yeah really really good player um, I, I, you know that one's, the one I missed at Anfield sticks out for me and um, obviously then comes becomes a bit of the thorn on the side in the last game and yeah just a very very good player he'll be one to watch I think in terms of um, in terms of movement over the next 12 months I can't see him staying there long yeah I mean if he's everywhere um, he scored initially from a throwing, which is a little bit embarrassing from a Liverpool yeah. perspective because we have a throwing coach mm. and that doesn't usually happen. But the throwing came in and Lovren was pinned by Deeney. The ball just bounced right over Deeney's head um, and Saar scored. And the second goal, I know we have maybe different opinions on this, but I think Deeney gets the ball again from don't think it's a throw one actually, but he gets the ball out wide and without even looking up, Dini just hits a ball in behind. Oh, yeah, yeah. With the hope that Saar will get onto it. Um, Van Dijk and Lovren start tracking back. But do you think that was just a... Uh, I, um, Hit and hope. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm trying to say is, do you think that was just a a, a consequence of chance? Because I, I don't, yeah. you know, do you? What, you? You mean, did you think he means it? I just think they know. I think they would have said, look, Liverpool's defensive line is high. Just if you get an opportunity or you're low on chances, just ping it in behind and see what happens. Yeah, maybe so. I was, mm. I'd be a little bit surprised if that's the case, purely because I did watch the clip back a few times to see if Dini at any point looked up to see where Saar was, but he didn't. So it looked like he just hit it to me, but I'm not sure. You might be like there. Yeah, I'm just having a look at it now. But go but, on, Sam. But, yeah, but what the, what the point I'm making is, maybe I'm being a bit too harsh again. But I do remember I think he thinking means that you know. Sorry, you think I, he means it? I do. Yeah. If someone gets, if you just get to, if people listen or watching, get to watch it back. But what I'm saying is, in terms of meaning, that you think he knows where Sad is. I just think he knows. Yeah, he, he knows that if, if the ball's won here, so the it, I think it's Hughes back heels it's the Dini and look at Dini now. He's he's not even think he's thinking straight away. Just put the ball in behind, bam mm. down, and it and it's a and it's a through ball as well. Like so, the way he's shaping that, it, it looks as if he might just hit it long but in reality he kind of zips it across the floor yeah uh, just watching out zip I must say it's a perfect pass yeah it might need it, it, that's a good finish as well to be fair to him not many do that to Alisson no they don't that's funny it was just one of them games yeah. where Everton just went completely wrong compared to what we usually see yeah but my only point on that though was going to be um, again maybe I'm being a bit harsh but I remember thinking at the time if Gomez is in Lovren's position there, mm. does Gomez not catch the ball first before Saar? Yeah. But does Gomez get close enough to put Saar off? And I remember on this podcast a few weeks ago, I can't remember if it was you or Chris with me, but I, I used the example of why Liverpool are still the same defensive team with Gomez or Lovren. But we seem to concede fewer with Gomez in the team. And I used an example that's just... Gomez has just got that slight more pace, mm. whereas he's inclined to get closer to the shooter before he actually shoots. If you know what yeah. I mean. Yeah. No, I mean it's a very is a very valid point. And I think what I disagreed with before we were even uh, recording was I don't think he gets there because I think Sars touch 
is quite good. He, he, he takes it to his... He almost takes it to his right away from Lovren. But I do agree with what you're saying because when we've tried to dissect Liverpool's defence and why so many players miss big chances, we've kind of concluded that they're really good in terms of defensive pressure, aren't they? And you do wonder if Gomez is in, in the place of Lovren and he's just a couple yards closer. Because um, he is really, really quick, yeah. Gomez. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. I think Gomez probably puts at least more pressure on the shooter, which in turn can, you know, he, he ends up chipping over the Allison If he's under more pressure, is he going to be that confident? So he's just going to try and get a shot off. Yeah, yeah. These little ma- uh, microseconds do, or nanoseconds, sorry, do impact things. So yeah, it's a good point, actually. Yeah, I mean, it remains to be seen. We just had to complete guesswork, I suppose. Mm. But I just remember thinking that at the time, and I remember thinking to myself, I thought back to the point that I made about Gomez just having that extra yard and just mm-hmm. I just thought the shot would still go away but maybe would it be a bit difficult to, a bit a bit trickier to execute if Gomez was closing you down yeah. as opposed to Lovren. Yeah, good point, yeah. Um and the third goal, the worst of them all for me. Mm-hmm. Um straight from a goal kick. The ball falls towards again uh Lovren and I think he heads the ball, but in the process is is like off balance and falls over basically. Um, the ball goes to Trent. I think Trent plays a a, a back pass straight to Saar. Allison obviously closes closes the angle to try and prevent the goal. Passes it to Dini, and Dini just hits into an open net. Yeah, but that is a terrible goal to concede that. Yeah, and that's the exact type of goal that Liverpool completely eradicated for eighteen months. Yeah, it, it was a real third goal in a three 0 defeat. I thought that was yeah, that was really, you know, Liverpool two years ago that goal mm. because two years ago we had an an inability to deal with aerial threats and we made mistakes at the back and that yeah. was that was those two things in a single sequence. Yeah, so I'm trying to get it now, but my thing keeps freezing annoyingly. But yeah, and I mean I remember the goal. I've seen it many times, and yeah, it was. It's just a. Just a catalogue of errors that you just don't normally see. You know, maybe it's just a lapse in concentration in terms of wanting to get the ball back up the other end of the pitch as well. You know, if it, if you look at the freeze frame there, I don't think Trent's even aware of the dangers. I think he's probably just thinking, get the ball to, get the ball to Allison. He'll he'll get it back up the up the end of the pitch that we want, so we can try and build an attack. But mm. um, I mean, I think Trent did something similar earlier in the match, actually, very in the early moments, but. Didn't really get punished as much, but I don't know. It was just one of them games where every single player, with the exception of maybe Andy Robertson, yeah, was off his usual game. Yeah, you're right. Just didn't perform to the usual level. Didn't um, execute the same responsibilities as well as usual. And yeah, it doesn't even look. Wasn't great, but no, yeah, it was messy. It was messy. It was a messy goal. But we're going to move on to Chelsea a little bit in a sec. But I think what we've just said there for me captures Liverpool's one of Liverpool's key issues at the minute these are two very very simple things right and they sound very simplistic but these are things that Liverpool have catered for throughout the whole season number one is as I said scoring first Mm. sounds simple but believe me it makes a huge difference on Everton and B just don't make any defensive mistakes Mm. and Liverpool never do it Liverpool, those two things, they sound really simple. Now the blueprints of this Liverpool side though, aren't they? Yeah, it's just complete basics that Liverpool seem to follow every single week. We never ever make a defensive error in our own final third. Mm. Um, and we, since we, you know, since we saw the likes of, I don't know, Mignolet and Moreno and Nathaniel Klein and, well, I think Klein's still contract actually. Yeah, he is, yeah. Um, but since we moved all does them out. Though, does he? No. Yeah. Since we moved all them out and we got more reliable players in, that's just stopped happening. And we've scored first in the majority of games, as I said, and, and that's just stopped recently. Lovren's a hangover of that regime, though. Yeah, he is. That's a good point. Something to bear in mind. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we'll we'll move on anyway to Chelsea. Mm. Uh, obviously, with it being the FA Cup, we're going to spend a little bit less on this, I'm assuming. But having said that, one of the reasons we spend less on it is usually because Klopp seems to overlook it. Yeah. Liverpool are big on the whole, you know economic use of resources and stuff like that and dedicating your best resources to the tournaments that matter mm. hence why we usually play the kids in the domestic cups but 
Van Dijk played, hmm. Mane played, hmm. Gomez played, Robertson played, Fabinho played. Um, so straight away I thought to myself, that's a lot more intense than I was expecting. Hmm. And I thought to myself, maybe with the league being basically sewn up, maybe Klopp's looking at the FA Cup as a potential double. I uh, I think he was, if I'm being honest. Yeah, with you. maybe. Yeah, and had had the that results on Saturday not happened, <clears throat> maybe even the uh, Atletico one as well. I think he would have played the, a younger team in that. But I, I, I'll be honest, I think he probably wanted to win that game. Yeah. Um. um I mean. My thoughts on this game are probably as bad as, as most. I think this can happen. I think Liverpool played half first strings, half second strings. Mm. Chelsea did the same. Mm. It was at Stamford Bridge um, and they scored first. They took their chances first. Yeah, We had we had a fair few opportunities before they actually found the net with William, which again, I must say, stemmed from a mistake for Adrian. Um Yeah, and Fabinho probably, you'd say, as well. Yeah, but I think, I think this, yeah, and Fabinho, yeah, mm. but I think, I think this, this can happen. This one, I think the performance certainly for the first hour at least was decent. I thought it was, it was okay. Um, towards the end, we seemed to struggle a little bit. But post the second goal, though, wasn't it? Was it really? That yeah, it, it looked to drop off a little bit. Yeah, but I think, I think this feels a lot worse because of the Watford results mm. a few days earlier. Mm. But I think had we beat Watford as normal and we lost to Chelsea like that, I don't think there'd be that much of a force. Because as I said, I think this this kind of result can happen. Analyzing Anfield on the Blood Red Channel. I agree, by the way, but maybe I'll just play devil's advocate. Do you think that um, because they lost, there was more emphasis to go and win that game? Yeah, I think there was. And that maybe that's why the disappointment's there, because... <clears throat> They probably looked at it and thought we need to bounce back in this match. It's, a, it's now suddenly got added uh, importance behind it. Yeah, no, I agree with what you're saying, and I do think we showed that emphasis um, mm. early on. Mm. It was just to be conceded first again, and obviously once you once you are chasing the game, mm. the the opposing team maybe gets fewer chances, but when they do, you're a little bit wide open because mm. all your players are trying to attack. Yeah. So uh, I think it kind of just it just followed that that scenario with, mm. um, and it wasn't great. <laughs> Were you uh, worried about the um, failing to score again or anything? I'd be worried about failing to score if we didn't look like scoring. Mm. But I think in the first half in particular, we really did look like scoring. Yeah, there was that melee, wasn't in the, in the, in the box that uh, I think on another week probably one of them just hits the roof of the net. Yeah. Mane had a chance as well where he didn't end up shooting. He ended up turning back. But I remember thinking to myself there, just hit the tag, just shoot. Yeah. But he ended up turning back for some reason. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, mm. But we looked offensively a little bit better, at least for an hour. Yeah. Um, but one 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 thing I did pick up on that, I must say that, what's that he was awful. Yeah, I agree. And I think he's, for me anyway, I know he's a club hero and all stuff like that for the things that he's done. But... When he doesn't score, he offers virtually nothing. Literally nothing. Yeah. He's a he's a goal getter, but you know, Liverpool are yeah, we, we always see the same machine. Like they are a very unique side. Like there's not really many like them out there, is there? Uh, in terms of how they play and the the positions and roles the players have. And I don't really think you can shoehorn shoehorn in somebody like Arigi to just make it work. He is kind of there to just get you the odd goal but you know he started yesterday I don't think he can start games I think he can't get involved in the well, I think everything that goes with it this this is probably my point I suppose because I think he started because we don't really have any other rotation option played Minamino Shaqiri's out injured the next in line is Rigi and I think that's that, that's my point I think some reinforcements I, yeah I, I would sell him if we if we got a decent I wouldn't actively look to sell him mm. it's not that desperate but I think if a club came in with a decent bid for him, I wouldn't be inclined to keep hold of him. No. I think we can get a much more Liverpool type backup mm. than than Origi. Mm. Um as I said, if he doesn't score, he offers very, very little. He's not a threat in behind. He tends to come towards the ball and go backwards. A lot of the dribbling that he does it looks slow and tends, laboured to me sometimes. It just tends to be a bit like 
fruitless though. Mm-hmm. Like he tends to he tends to do stuff that doesn't really do it. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. he'll dribble for dribbling's sake. He, yeah, he it does he doesn't his dribbles don't seem to progress. Um you know, you don't it doesn't it's it's very rare that you see him then like beat a man and carry the ball into the box. It just kinda you might beat a man but the man's just still there in front of him and there's still work to be done. He's I'll be honest, I uh, I know he scored really big goals and he always scores against Everton. Um <laughs> but I don't yeah, I don't particularly rate him. I, maybe I'm doing the thing, being, being the, cruel. The thing is, though, a lot, a, a, lot will. a lot of people will. Yeah, I think that'll annoy a few people me saying that, but I'll, I'm just being honest. I think, yeah, he, he scored huge goals. But but I think probably a lot of clubs really will, just because... Um, why? What, he, okay, what, what do you think Origi's level is? In the in top of the Premier League kind of positioning? Um, tough question, that. <laughs> Initially at Liverpool, he he offered a really good, like he led the line really well, but a little bit like Calvert Lewin is now, not as good, yeah, um, but a little bit along those lines. I'm thinking maybe, I don't know. I've got, I've got like an alternative to Raul Jimenez at Wolves in my head, something like that. I see. But, I, I seem too static for that, you know. No, no, you're probably right. Yeah, yeah. that that just came and to same mind. Same with Calvert Lewin. I, I, uh, I know. Sorry, me. Yeah, I, I could seem honestly a, a mid-table, like top ten striker. Yeah, same. Yeah, um, but I don't know. He's, he's just a type of player that, like as I said, he doesn't really offer much when when he doesn't score. And if Liverpool receive a bid for him, I think we could get a more Liverpool type player. So mm. I'd be inclined to accept that and target someone who's going to fit the mould a bit more. Mm. Um, but yeah, just a little bit more on the whole Liverpool failing to get a lead thing. I tweeted this out last night, so those that follow me will be aware of it already. But 450 minutes played since the winter break now in all competitions. Liverpool have led for 24 of those minutes. Mm. It's not great. No, no, not by Liverpool standards, but not by any standards, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, so I think we'll I think we'll leave the defeat there, do you think? Mm. But for me, I don't know about yourself, don't know if you want to add in, but for me, the two key things to note is that we've stopped scoring first and we have started making mistakes, at least in those two games. Mm. And the attack, for whatever reason, is is looking a lot less fluid. Yeah, I agree. I had a little look at the defence because that's something I think I'm going to write about today. In, in January, when Liverpool were putting together this you know, formidable run of, like, clean sheets, um, basically from end of December to mid-February. It did feel like they were still quite reliant on um, opposition players missing big chances. It felt like they were still giving opponents big chances, and I think up to the final big chances, an XG of around 0.4 upwards. I'm a little bit more lax. I think anything 0.3 upwards is a big chance, in my opinion. Um, and I think it's it's difficult to have a low expected goals against for every game but if you're going to have a fairly high one or anything of note you want it to really be an accumulation of bad shots as opposed to bestowing like an opponent uh, a big chance and I just had a look at some of um, Liverpool's big chances conceded um, across that run where they had clean sheets and I've gone from the new year Stop Sheffield United. Um, so Sheffield United, one big chance. Tottenham, one big chance. United, two big chances. Wolves, three big chances. West Ham, one big chance. Um, but none for, uh, versus Southampton and Norwich. But they only conceded one goal in that run. Whereas over the past uh, four games, they conceded still just one big chance against Atletico, but conceded from it. Um, one big chance against West Ham, conceded two goals from it. Um, they conceded five big chances against Watford, but that looks to be a little bit of an outlier that game. Let's be honest, you know that's not going to happen every week. And then it was just one big chance against Chelsea, and they conceded two goals. So I think what we're seeing is over the last few weeks, it's not necessarily that the defense is getting worse. It's just that they have been bestowing one or two big chances per game that you'd want to try and really cut out. And Klopp did talk about that after mm-hmm. the United game when he said they need to improve on concentration levels and stuff. So I don't think it's necessary, except for Wofford, I don't think it's necessarily getting worse. Um, it just seems that they were once reliant on 
opposition attackers missing these chances, but at the moment they're converting them. So I expect it to maybe level out over the next few days and might start seeing the odd, sorry, the next few games and we might start seeing more of the clean sheets. But in short, the writing was on the wall a little bit that they might start conceding more frequently. Yeah, I think it was it was coming a little bit, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Um, but I think if, you, if you're going through a bad run of form, of all the teams you can possibly face, oh, yeah. Eddie Howe's Bournemouth, <laughs> right at Anfield. Uh, the team that in the last five meetings with Liverpool are losing by an aggregate, an aggregate score of 17 <laughs> <laughs> It's daft, isn't it? Oh, it's woeful. So if Liverpool are going to get back on track against any team, it's going to be Bournemouth. And if we don't, then... It's times of worry. I don't think you would handpick a better team, uh, fixture no, in the Premier couldn't. League. And, it's absolutely um, ideal. I know Spadway, these have lost eight of the previous nine away league matches as well. Yeah, they seem to be a favourite for Mo Salah. Mm. Uh, across those last five meetings, Salah has seven goals. Uh, I think he was a hat-trick in there somewhere, away from home. Um, again, across those five matches, Liverpool average 18.4 shots compared to... Bournemouth seven, hmm. um, and I just think they're, they're an ideal opponent for Liverpool to face because they they try and play their own game, don't they? They try mm-hmm. and build from the back, and I think they build specifically down the flanks. But I think Liverpool are just so aggressive, and we can uh, teams that are usually easy to predict how they build from the back. We usually do really well against. Mm. I'm thinking Leicester. Yeah, twice this season we've absolutely dominated Leicester. Yeah. And that's because you can, if their patterns are easy to pick up on, you can plan and press accordingly based on those, can't mm-hmm. you? Um, and I think Bournemouth are similar. Yeah, and and they, they also, um, I think they lack the ability to just sit in as good, you know, in, in terms of just maybe just sitting back and trying to do something on the counter, but so kind of pressure, they don't seem to possess that. Um, so I suspect they're going to struggle at Anfield. I'm, I'm also... Can you imagine what it's like in the dressing room for the pool players at the moment after going two games? Well, that's it. I mean, technically... Two losses. Yeah, technically Liverpool should be furious, really. Yeah, I think and they you, will be. I, you know, I picked on a few quotes from Curtis Jones, who's not even a fully-fledged senior player yet, but you could sense the frustration in his in his words. He was saying, not the criticism they're getting, like they've lost one league game all season. Mm. Um and you, you can imagine the conversations that happened in the dressing room. So, I wouldn't like to be Bournemouth. Well, that's it. Yeah, I yeah. mean, you got a spare thought, spare thought for them, I suppose, haven't you? But um, I think they're just a team that Liverpool can. <laughs> I think they're just a team that Liverpool can take consistent risks against um, without consequences. Really, mm. usually, the, usually, if you take risks against a team, you know the downside is that you're going to concede counter attacks yeah. or, or whatever. But that just doesn't seem to happen against Bournemouth. Mm, no, we seem to have complete control on one player who who can who loves to take risks and does seem to benefit usually against this team. Is Naby Keita seems to always play whenever we play Bournemouth for some reason, and he seems to play very well. Whether he's going to be fit enough remains to be seen. But again, with the fitness with him, though, I know it's frustrating, isn't it? Yeah, just can't you can't get a, can't get a run on the side. It's something that we've been saying when we spoke about him recently. I know. To be honest, based on the way he came off against... Who was it? West Ham? Yeah, it was West Ham. Yeah. Based on the way he came off against that team, then he seemed to have a sore hip. For, for me, I'm inclined to think that like maybe he doesn't have a sore hip, maybe he's just been instructed to work on something behind the scenes, taking out the spotlight, and he's going to be reintroduced against the team as easy as Bournemouth. Mm, something yeah, like that, yeah, maybe. Not, you know what? If he, if he lined up, that's probably a good take. Yeah, I'm just not sure. I always, I, I always believe these little niggles that... That the media, that that are given to, to the media, yeah, because yeah, yeah, you know what? It's not it's not a bad shout. That actually, I just got distracted there by noticing that um, Bournemouth have only beat two sides above them away from home. Um, Chelsea moment. Chelsea, one of them, yeah, one nil. Yeah, they've actually played Chelsea twice this season and picked up four points. Have they, yeah, they haven't been beat by them yeah. Two mm. two all, I think it was last week, as recently as last week. Not that I'm saying that uh, <coughs> that 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 suddenly means that they're going to go to Anfield and win one 0 but <laughs> just just interesting. No, um, just a little bit on Bournemouth's numbers, uh, you will notice a theme reoccurring here. So the sixteenth <laughs> for expected goals, sixteenth for expected goals against. 
16th for goals scored and 16th for goals conceded. So, Dave, I think we might be facing the 16th best team. <laughs> <in the league. laughs> yeah, I was just laughing. You know, sweet 16 there, isn't it? So, <laughs> yeah, or oh, not so sweet 16. Yeah, not so you. sweet. Yeah, that's probably a better way to put it, mate. Um, so, they're on the cusp yeah. of the, the relegation zone, yeah, I suppose, aren't they? Yeah, a bottom five side who look... Well, they actually are in the relegation zone, aren't they, at the moment? Um, they're from bottom, so... I didn't know that. I thought yeah. they were just above. No, so they, but they're on 27 points with West Ham, Watford and Bournemouth. It's very tight down there, so they, you know, they can't really be going into any game um, and just kind of rolling over. They're probably saying to themselves, we need to pick something up here. Mm. Um, so in that sense, maybe it's going to be uh, a competitive game. Because we, one thing I've noticed is we've underestimated a lot of sides recently. I don't know if... Yeah, well, I mean, the Wofford one, no one... No, forget Wofford. <laughs> yeah, but Norwich, for example. No, Norwich was a bit... We expected very little there, but they made it competitive. And I think the Liverpool edges making sides play maybe 10 20% a little bit better than what they have uh, throughout the season. So, you know, they could make it competitive, but I just personally cannot see um, them stopping Liverpool, especially after two bad results like this. Yeah, no, on the same... Uh, just a little note on Liverpool when they played them away from home this season scored from you know the infamous ball over the top mm. Henderson to Chamberlain I think it was on the day obviously Henderson won't be playing this time but I'm sure Van Dijk's capable yeah, um, yeah. Oxlade Chamberlain I think will probably play in midfield if Naby Keita doesn't uh, so you know just that's worth adding I think I'm sure I remember you saying after this game that that, that was the worst side you've seen Liverpool facing this season yeah the easiest game the Liverpool have played game, all year yeah. yeah it was just keep the ball mm. and then occasionally find a net and then keep the ball again yeah and it was just but that was when Bournemouth were going for a period of really lacking confidence I think yeah. Eddie Howe gave a few interviews around that period and he just looked defeated yeah it looked like he was probably going to go yeah mm. uh, so fair play to him for getting back on track a little bit but I still think it's going to be an easy one for Liverpool really so verdict on that one yeah, I yeah, I can see a four nil. Can you? <laughs> yeah, I think I'm gonna go three on that. Three nil, I think. Mm. Um, but maybe Liverpool will gain two and then just be so focused on keeping things away from the news. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that a two nil win is just so boring that no one will even report on it and just be standard back to win. Yeah, maybe ways. just go. You know, don't don't try and uh, as you said steal the headlines. Just go out there and do business as usual and get things back on track. Um, because they probably don't want too much fuss prior to the Atletico game anyway, do they? No. Well, that's a segue, isn't it? Mm. So, Atletico Madrid. Now, this this feels like a difficult one to preview now because we don't know how Liverpool are going to perform against Bournemouth. Mm. Liverpool obviously lost two in a row at the minute at the time of recording. So, right now, I feel concerned, to be honest, okay. because we're not in form. We're not in form in attack either. And this is a team that you have to throw the kitchen sink at basically to find a goal. So, I don't know about you. I mean, you're obviously a bit more. I I I fancy neutral. Liverpool. Do you? Yeah, and I'll I'll come deliver some good news from the outset, right? <laughs> um, I was just having a quick look at it because I I just think Atletico is so different home and away. I feel like their system works so much better when they got the fan fans behind them and mm. on top of them. Away from home, I think it's a different thing and. They have only won two of their previous 15 away matches across all competitions. All competitions, yeah. Yeah, which is is quite... quite. Uh, I know I touched on their Champions League record and just post mm. the, the last game against them, so I won't go over that again. But I just don't think that that as, as um, solid away from home. And they're going to, for me, the toughest place to play in Europe at the moment, Anfield. Yeah, hopefully that's still the case on yeah, the, in, the, in the upcoming two matches because we feels like we've been away from home quite a bit lately mm. um, so s- since defeating Liverpool Atletico have won against Villarreal and drew against Espanyol or bottom of the league actually mm. um, I think Atletico's XG in both of those matches was a 1.1 according to the provider we use which isn't particularly high no it's not dominant for the so-called top side is it really no Um we know that they'll use four four two. That's just an absolute given. Um, very very narrow back four inside the width of the penalty box. Mm. Um, 
And then wide midfielders, as I said earlier, that tend to follow our fullbacks mm. and situationally form a back six. Mm. So they're just a, it's going to be attack versus defence, really, isn't it? I mean, I'm not sure how much of an attack on that they will actually look to pose. I know that a few seasons ago they faced the Juventus away from home. I think they had a 2 0 lead, maybe a 3 0 lead from the home leg. Mm. And they, they turned up at Juve with the intention to just sit on it for 90 minutes and he ended up getting knocked out. Yeah, was that, um, I'm pretty sure, was was Ronaldo's I just think first season? Yeah, last year, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I remember that, yeah. Yeah, they so did. So maybe he'll... Because Diego Simeone did that in famous celebrations, such a... <laughs> yeah. He went in the, in the first leg. Yeah, uh, but do you reckon he'd have learned from that, though, when he'll come to our field thinking, I've got to attack a bit more here? I don't know, because I think... and I, Listen, I love, I love these. I think they're great side. I like Simeone, but... I do think they can be a little bit one-dimensional sometimes, um, and I haven't. I'm not really sure they could adapt the tactics. Yeah, I think for Liverpool to to get anything from this, we have to be relentless with the tempo. Yeah, I think you have to be. You have to really up the tempo to like something that the Spanish league isn't used to seeing. I think you're looking circa 17, 18, and maybe that City game. You yeah, need something like that. Just a relentless twenty minutes. Yeah, just chaos. Yeah, I suppose he did that against Barcelona, didn't he? As well, they scored early on. There. Yeah, I think if they if they score in the first fifteen minutes, then I think you um, you could potentially blow them away. It, I just if you go to the hour mark, for example, and some big chances being missed or they they've defended really well, that's when the self doubt creeps in, and then you start snatching at shots and hitting balls from distance over it in crosses and that's where I think the panic sets in yeah I think a lot of the the support that the team will get from the fans on the day I think a lot of that will almost transform into doubt if we get into half time mm-hmm. and it's still nil nil um, but having said that you know obviously the the power of Anfield and stuff like that you can't really underestimate from an opposition player's perspective, what it's like to concede. If you if they concede once inside, say, half an hour, mm. the self-doubt that you must feel, and it's that siege mentality, I'm yeah. assuming, where you just kind of go in yourself, don't you? Yeah. So hopefully that'll happen. Hopefully we'll see that. Um, I remember saying last month that I, I'm not sure whether Athletic or just that type of team, they seem a lot more... Determined than that to me, mm-hmm. they're not they're not the shy type, are they? And no, there's definitely more fragile sides that have come to Anfield than yeah. than these. These are, but this is why we said it was such a bad draw months ago when it came out, didn't we? We said that you know this this is why you didn't want to get into this position which Liverpool are now in because what's going to potentially happen in terms of it being a really difficult game to a uh, difficult second leg, but. Just if if, I, if someone said you have to put twenty quid on someone progressing now, I'm I'd be going Liverpool. Like, yeah, mm. no, I think I would as well. But it's not a given. just. Yeah, yeah I think it, it wouldn't be like a you know massive full of confidence there and like that. Mm. Um, Keelan Trippier played on the weekend as well. Mm. He's essentially became their version of Trent almost. Um, he's bagged three assists in La Liga which is the second most in the team. He missed the first leg as well, didn't he? Yeah, he missed the first leg. Christian was actually looking forward to seeing Sadio Mane face him. Mm. Uh, so whether he plays it on field remains to be seen. Probably will actually, considering he's got the English, you know, he knows he's been there before yeah. and all that stuff. But well, I don't know. well, I said to you though, didn't I, earlier, what I found interesting was, he's, um, this is for right-backs who've played eight hundreds uh, plus league minutes. He's got the best defensive dual success rate in the in the division. In La Liga, yeah, yeah, which is a bit strange, but so maybe maybe Simeone's making him a better defender, um, but I'm still not sure about him dealing with lofted balls. I think he's not great in the air, and his position isn't always the best. Um, not the quickest either. No, I remember Man City doing quite well against Tottenham last year, Sterling versus him. Mm. Um, yeah, and that's the type of thing where Manny Manny uh, thrives. So. Mm, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how, how much his game's developed over there, defensively at least. Yeah. One massive perk I think that Liverpool continually benefit from each year in the Champions League in Europe and, and things like that is that over two legs, <laughs> over two legs, you obviously get to analyse how a team's played against you mm. 
before then facing them again. Mm. Most teams you'd assume, say for example, Simeone, he's just won one against Liverpool. Mm. You'd be inclined to think that for the next match, he's probably going to, same same as then. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's not really going to change much, is he? Mm. Sticks Mo- to the winning formula. Yeah, and I think most teams are the same. But I think Liverpool's analysis is obviously really good. Peter Kravitz and, and, and people behind the scenes like that. And I think we're really good at identifying what went wrong, creating a new plan to tackle that. Mm-hmm. And it results in us maybe overcoming these second legs in really impressive fashion, usually. Mm, yeah. So I don't think you can underestimate that, the fact that we're able to analyse the first leg before going into the second leg, which is going to be an Anfield. Yeah. No, I'd agree. Yeah, there's... Because Liverpool can be so fluid in terms of the tactics, they can adapt quite well. And um, I suspect they'll already have a plan to overcome what they faced in the first leg. So, so verdict? Drum roll. Mm, I'm going to, I'm going to, I agree it might be tight, but I'm going to go for the, a 2 2 nil. Okay. Or 2 or 3 nil. I don't know. I'll go 2. 90 minutes. 90 minutes, yeah. I am going to go. Bear in mind the current position of Liverpool. have just lost twice. <laughs> yeah. We haven't played Bournemouth yet. But I am going to go 1-0 Liverpool. And I don't know what's going to happen beyond that. Mm. I can't predict extra time, penalties, any of that nonsense. Oh, so you're on a flip of a coin, are you, in terms of how it, how it might seem? A little bit, yeah. I just uh, Maybe I'm giving them too much credit, but I, can't, I just can't see this team collapsing. I, mm. I can't see Madrid collapsing. They just don't come across that, that, that type to me. But uh, as always, you can't underestimate the home ground at, mm. at Liverpool. And, you know, we will see anyway. Hopefully, I'll be happy to admit that I get that one wrong if we end up coming out 5 0 winners. Yeah, definitely. Um, should, should we let everybody know to keep an eye out for our, some personal news? Tweets? Yes, the Substack thing, you mean? I wasn't even talking about that. I was actually talking about. Um, the Liverpool under 23 job that we've been Oh, yes, right, yeah. Courtesy of uh, Paddy <laughs> Powell and Beth Fair. Yeah. Um, both me, you, and Chris, 275 to 1 to be the next Liverpool under 23 <laughs> manager. Yeah, I mean, at least probably shows that we're doing something like that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you can. Uh, I'd, I'd be interested to see if anyone actually put a bet on us. Yeah, yeah screenshot it if you do. It's on Paddy <laughs> Fowler or, uh, or Beth Fair. You can get odds of 275 to 1, but just don't be expecting to pay for your uh, for your holiday from the profits. Yeah. We'll leave it at that, eh? Next week, guess we'll try and get Neil Critchley on. Yeah. <laughs> you can give us some tips on how to deal with, yeah. the, uh, with the pressures of under 23 football. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, right. So thanks for joining us anyway, Dave. Mm. Hopefully, Liverpool are in for a better week than we've, than we've just suffered. Uh, and tune in again next week. Cheers. Thanks. You've been listening to the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red channel.